the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Captain's Log, Stardate 09061966.8. We have entered another episode of things both ridiculous and historical. My name's Ben. Whoa. I know, right? That was, that was like a Shatner meets uh, Rod Serling kind of thing. That was awesome. Well, that's very kind. That's that very was, kind. That was, I was enraptured to the point where I've <laughs> almost forgotten my name and it is in fact Noel Brown and, and I am not a Trekkie. <laughs> right, right. I am, uh, I wouldn't describe myself as a Trekkie either, although I am a fan of sci-fi and, you know, you and I don't particularly need a wealth of science fiction here because we have our own wizard every time we record a show. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our long-suffering super producer, Casey Pegram. Who has turned into a can of soda. That super producer sure is refreshing. <laughs> yes, and speaking of refreshing and segues. Imagine yourself as a television viewer on September 9th, 1966 in Canada. I'm there. Well, if you're there, you're very, very lucky because you are watching that evening something that no one has ever seen before, the very first episode of Star Trek. What the uh, the superfan community calls uh, TOS or the original series. And this series was revolutionary when it first aired, which was originally, I think, in Canada and then later in the United States by a couple of days. In this series, uh, viewers are treated to a more diverse cast than they are used to seeing. And that should go as an understatement, right? Yeah, you had green women. You had uh, alien dudes with pointy ears. Oh, you mean diverse 
in terms of the actors. Right, the people, right? Oh, and the characters as well. I mean, there's a Russian, what, in 1960? There's a Scotsman? <laughs> yes, there is a Scotsman. Yeah. Uh, yes, and there are also people of color on the show. Yeah, specifically, uh, a lovely actress by the name of Nichelle Nichols, who portrayed the character of Lieutenant Uhura. And th- this was important for a lot of reasons. She was not only a person of color featured in this show very prominently, but she had a position of power in the organization of the Starship Enterprise. I believe she was the fourth in charge? Yes, that is absolutely correct, which also makes it a prominent progressive step for the role of women or female characters in these sorts of shows. Okay, so I'm a little Canadian boy in the mid-1960s watching Star Trek – But what's happening at the same time, Ben? Right, the civil rights movement. Yeah, nothing good. I mean, good, yes, a lot of progress, but also a lot of horrible racist violence. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We're talking protests, abuse by law enforcement officers, and public moves toward nonviolence and pushes for equality alongside antagonistic forces who are pushing for the discriminatory status quo to remain the same. Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek, was very much aware of this, and he set out with the express aim of creating a show with a multiracial cast. And the show had a lot of fans, right? Well, it also had a message of cooperation, working to solve problems between races and people of other uh, galactic origins and, and mm-hmm. species and, you know, green women. Right. The idea, <laughs> the idea that in the future, humanity will overcome the current problems or the contemporary problems of the age in which Star Trek was produced, right? So we had massive discrimination. Uh, we also had the threat of war. There was inequality, in, uh, you know, economic inequality, social inequality, and Star Trek presented a picture wherein human ingenuity and the inherent drive toward curiosity and drive toward self-improvement mm-hmm. created a world in which these problems were solved. And that resulted in a lot of almost philosophical discussion. The show is not super heavy on on the action. A lot of it is almost diplomacy and, and conversations and kind of solving these problems without violence. And then, of course, you know, they'd end up on a planet and have to fight some dude in a monster suit and shoot him with their phasers or whatever. But the big message of the show was that we can solve these problems without resorting to violence because we're talking about the civil rights movement of the mid 60s. Uh, We're talking bombings at uh, African-American churches. There's one in Birmingham. Um, Four young black girls were killed. Uh, Malcolm X, a very influential civil rights leader and activist, was assassinated. There was a divide and it was, you know, a, a powder keg kind of situation. Absolutely. This is one of those times where wherein people can feel the hinge of history as it swings and begin to wonder what direction it will go in. Here's the thing, folks. It turns out that the Star Trek we are so familiar with today almost took a very different direction because the actor, Nichelle Nichols, who is playing this historically significant and profound role on television, almost quit. 
Yeah, it's true. Um, she had a background in the performing arts uh, in theater and got an offer to um, play on Broadway in a satire about Hugh Hefner and his um, kind of jet-setting, raunchy uh, magazine Playboy entitled Kicks and Co. And th- she had been in this originally and then left to do Star Trek. But after the first season – she was asked to return to that and it was going to be taken to Broadway. Uh, and she was like, okay, this is what I want to do because I think the cultural impact of Star Trek hadn't fully set in after one season. Mm-hmm. At least the fandom that we know today was not fully entrenched. This was, this was kind of like a, well, I did one season of a kind of quirky sci-fi TV show. I could take it or leave it. I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll move on and do something, some more serious work, you know? <laughs> right. But, um, you know, the, as, as fate would have it, Thankfully, this ended up not being the case. Right. When uh, when Nichols said the version of, you know, thanks so much for having me on the show, Gene Roddenberry, I'd like to head out and pursue, as Noel said, ser- more, you know, more serious or substantive work or just something different. Uh, Roddenberry didn't take it well and reputedly said, hey, don't rush out of this. Don't you understand what I'm trying to do here? And he told her. Take the weekend. Take the weekend and think it over. And during that weekend, Nichols went to a fundraiser in Beverly Hills where she was told there was a fan of this newfangled show, Star Trek, who really wanted to meet her. So, yeah, based on some of these reports, I guess the term Trekkie existed uh, after one season, um, which is pretty incredible. Uh, But as it turned out, this person that she was told about came walking up to her. And it was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And this is what he said to her according to an NPR interview where uh, Nichols recalls this this meeting. Um, she says, and I turn and before I could get up, I looked across the way and there was the face of Dr. Martin Luther King smiling at me and walking towards me. And he started laughing. By the time he reached me, he said, yes, Miss Nichols, I am that fan. I am your best, greatest fan. And my family are your greatest fans. As a matter of fact, this is the only show that my wife Coretta and I will allow our little children to watch, to stay up late to watch because it's past their bedtime. Which is such a humanizing and important detail. I'm sure all parents will recognize that's some rarefied air. So Nichols clearly is aware of Dr. King. And King is saying that he admires her work on the show and he admires that Gene Roddenberry, along with Nichols, has created a realistic character, right? Not some sort of stereotype or object of derision or mockery. And she says, thank you. But then she says something that, you know, sounds very understandable from from her position in this conversation. She says, you know, thanks. And I'm glad you like the show, but I feel like I should be out there with you, out there marching, after, out there fighting for equality, pursuing the ideals that people are putting their life in danger for. Yeah, I read this quote earlier and then I... I kind of immediately teared up for some, it just, it just hit me in a very real way. Um, he said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. We don't need you to march. You are marching. You are reflecting what we are fighting for. He said, don't you understand what this man, Gene Roddenberry, has achieved? For the first time on television, we will be seen as we should be seen every day, as intelligent, quality, beautiful people who can sing and dance but who can go into space, 
who can be lawyers and teachers, who can be professors, who are in this day, yet you don't see it on television now. And this is uh, during the com- part of the conversation where she says, I'm going to quit the show. And he f- is firmly against this. And he continues by saying, Gene Roddenberry has opened a door for the world to see us. If you leave, that door can be closed. Because, you see, your role is not a black role. It's not a female role. He can fill it with anything, including an alien. And this left Nichols speechless. Yeah, there's one more line from an AMA on Reddit that Nichols did uh, where she said that he said something along the lines of, if you leave, they can replace you with a blonde-haired white girl, and it'll be like you were never there. What you've accomplished for all of us will only be real if you stay. And and she said that got her thinking about, you know, really thinking about that audience, about how fans of color saw her and how it would feel if she left the show. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, it's just, it's a TV show. You know, it, it, it seems even from the standpoint of someone that's in it, you could see how it could be perceived as being frivolous and like, why is this, why does this matter? Mm-hmm. It, but it, it, it does matter, especially in those days when, when kids did not see themselves or a uh, positive reflection of themselves in popular culture. And this was that thing. Absolutely. And this changes Nichols thinking, right? And a few days later, she's talking with Roddenberry and she relays her conversation with Dr. King. And as as she recalls, uh, Roddenberry thought about it, looked at her for a second. He said, God bless Dr. Martin Luther King. Somebody knows where I'm coming from. And so she decided to stay on the show. And the character of Lieutenant Uhura continues on for decades, right? Not just on the small screen, toward the world of film. And it also resulted in a a very monumental moment, even if it's a little cheesy, but it was a thing that it was it was important, culturally at least speaking. It was the first interracial kiss. And that was between William Shatner's Captain Kirk and Nichols' Lieutenant Uhura. Uh, and let, let's have that clip right now. I'm thinking... I'm thinking of all the times on the Enterprise when I was scared to death. And I would see you so busy at your command. And I would hear your voice from all parts of the ship. And my fears would fade. And now they're making me tremble. But I'm not afraid. I am not afraid. And Lieutenant Uhura is a pivotal character on the show. This isn't one of those uh, characters called, what are they called, red shirts? You know, the disposable ones who are sent down to the planet. Yeah, she was number four, man. Yeah, she was number four, fourth in line for the throne, the space throne. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. 
celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And she saw in her real life the effects of her character's presence in the zeitgeist. Uh, she relays in the same interview that she met Whoopi Goldberg during the Next Generation, the the follow up mm-hmm. franchise for for Star Trek, and Whoopi Goldberg TNG. Right. Who does have a role in the Next Generation? She told Nichols that she was nine years old when she saw Star Trek. And she would turn on the TV and she saw Lieutenant Uhura and ran through the house screaming, come quick, come quick. There's a black lady on TV and she's not a maid. Yeah. And going back to that interracial kiss, that first monumental groundbreaking interracial kiss, um, that happened uh, a mere seven months after Dr. King was assassinated in 1968. And, you know, and in that scene... It's a little hammy, and the, you look, you listen back to it now, and the dialogue is a little overwrought. But there is real chemistry between Shatner and Nichols, and yeah, that th- she is a gent. She's portrayed, at least as far as I can tell. Again, I'm not, I don't have a deep knowledge of Star Trek, mm-hmm. but in the scene, whatever the circumstances are, there is a genuine chemistry between them, and she is played as what could be a genuine love interest for this character, and you know that wasn't really a thing, you know? Like you said, um, African-American characters were often relegated to, you know, tertiary or even lower types of roles like mm-hmm. maids or, or workmen or a lot of times um, even more horrible stereotypes like criminals and things like that. And while this sounds like a, a clear-cut, you know, tidy story with a bow on top and everything, uh, the reality is a little bit different because behind the scenes, Nichols and Roddenberry and the show's writers were constantly butting heads with the studio. Uh, and the studio was a force of the status quo here at the time. For example, there is an episode wherein Lieutenant Uhura was written to assume the helmsman's position because all the senior officers were on a planet, but the script was rewritten to exclude that action by Lieutenant Uhura, and Nichols raised Kane over it being written out. And 
then she, you know, her point was when you're out in space in a dangerous situation, you're not going to have some female that goes, oh, captain, save me, save me. She was bound and determined not just to, as an actor, not just to find a more prominent role for her character, but to find prominent roles for all female characters or or more to up the representation. And I misspoke. That was not the first interracial kiss on American television. That was in uh, The Wild Wild West and I Spy. And that was between a white actor and an Asian actress. And that was in those were both in 1966. But it was the first scripted kiss between uh, a black and a white actor. Um, and the only other one was an improvised kiss between Sammy Davis Jr. and Nancy Sinatra on Moving with Nancy. And that was in <laughs> 1967. Um, Nichols said that they got a really big response from the episode and that she received an insane amount of fan mail, all positive, um, which, you know, even in what we do, Ben, you know, every time we get an email, it's always like if we've gone out on a limb on something, it's like are we going to get Ooh. totally shredded mm-hmm. or are people going to be on board? And so when you really take a chance and do something like this, it's really nice to see that overwhelming outpouring of, of positivity. And that was also an important cultural touchstone because from their perspective, they hadn't offended anybody. And then it, you know – became less of an issue, uh, like you said, with those studio heads and the standards and practices types. There we go. Yeah, the S&Ps, right? So what what we're seeing here is a fantastic and enormously important example of the role that art can play in a society. You know, and sometimes it's easy to dismiss works of fiction or works of art as largely symbolic or not addressing a problem. But we see that that is not the case. And because of a single conversation with one of the world's most well-known civil rights icons, because of the single conversation at this party, history changed. Well, he he also saw the importance of pop culture because, again, I keep coming back to the idea of it being entertainment, of it being pure, frivolous kind of, you know, a way to pass the time. But my kid watches TV all the time. My kid uh, has characters that she identifies with and that are important in shaping her view of herself and, and feeling and getting a sense of, like, what's okay, what's not okay, what kind of behavior is acceptable, what kind of behavior is not. And she gets it from me, too, as a parent. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to teach her well and what's right and to treat people with respect. But a lot of kids, what if they grow up and don't have good quality parents, don't have parents that are teaching them right from wrong, and they're getting that primary drive from pop culture then they see something like that that you can feel like you're a part of this too this thing that makes you very happy but that you have maybe up to that point felt sort of left out of and yeah. King saw that yeah and there's there's a, a, a doubly important part here too because when people are seeing this and it speaks to them they're not just seeing a show about you know a show about life in a city in 1966 they're seeing themselves in the future as well you know, and that's powerful. That's a really good point. So the, the, we would be remiss if we didn't mention another work, uh, that came out recently that I guess would also kind of qualify as science fiction. And that's the Black Panther film. Yeah. And I took my daughter to see that and we both loved it on, on the merits of it just being a badass, exciting, incredible film oh, that so is just good. a lot of fun. 
But it's blowing up box office numbers, which is something that, you know, is a language that executives speak. <laughs> and if you start making money on things, you're going to see more of it. But it is, it's such a different kind of film. What do you think, Ben? Well, yeah, the, the question is, you know, there's this genre that's encountering a, a huge moment in the sun right now, the superhero film or the comic right. film. And these films, like many other genres, have their own problematic issues. Typically, the protagonist is going to be, you know, a white guy, right? And the other characters that exist are going to – one of the criticisms you'll read are they is that they're often these two-dimensional foils – for the protagonist to bounce off of, right? But in a, in any well done film, which of course Casey can probably speak to or you can speak to more than I can, in any well done film, the characters must feel real. They must have their own dilemmas, their own motivations, right? And in Black Panther, not only are these characters fleshed out with realistic, understandable motivations, personal demons. Not only are they real people, but also, at least so far as film critics are arguing, also it exists without uh, what would be called the white lens. You know what I mean? Like the the idea that there has to be a um, a whitewash for lack of a better term, like the story doesn't need to have uh, all of a sudden this, you know, this messianic figure who is just white. Like in, you know, like in uh, Last Samurai, mm-hmm. the Tom Cruise thing. Oh, right? Any of that white savior stuff yeah. driving me crazy. And I just want to point out that I understand the problematic nature of two white dudes yeah. wapsing rhapsodic about this stuff, but it, it does, it is powerful. Like, you know, as, as a dad, um, seeing my kid grow up in, in a world where there is so much more inclusivity and she just doesn't see these things, doesn't see these lines and these divides at all. She just doesn't have it. It's not in her to have. And that makes me feel really hopeful. And, and so that's, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it there. But, um, I, I, this story about Dr. King and Star Trek, I was not expecting it to, to get me as much as it did. And when I read that quote about him saying, no, 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 you don't understand. You are marching. You're, you're doing mm-hmm. it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, 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 I kind of started tearing up at my desk. And I was not expecting that to, in, in a story about Star Trek. So. <laughs> L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. 
You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And this is one aspect, right, of Star Trek, just as it is one aspect of the civil rights movement, one that people may not be entirely aware of. And thanks so much for listening. We want to hear from you. Do you consider yourself a Trekkie? Uh, if so, please, please go easy on us, right, Noel? Oh, man, please. We're we're – we're very dainty little daffodils over here, ridiculous history. <laughs> so please, please go easy on us and let us know what other um, cultural impacts you believe came about via Star Trek. Uh, also, let us know if you have other examples of ways in which fiction and culture and the arts moved culture as a whole forward. And speaking of examples, here are a few examples of listener mails that didn't hurt our feelings. All right, first we have one from Two, uh, T-O-O, and, that, and he, he said to pronounce it that way. Um, and the subject is an extra trivia for the Great Stink episode, which was a fun one to do for us. Dear Ben and Noel, warmest greetings from Malaysia. I'm a listener to the show since its inception, and I've enjoyed the various topics you guys have put out so far. Your most recent episode on the Great Stink of London was definitely an interesting take on the matter, adding some depth and perspective for me on the subject since I last heard it being mentioned in another How Stuff Works podcast, plug, Stuff to Blow Your Minds episode on miasma theory and the evil air. We didn't talk about the evil air, but yeah, that miasma theory is a doozy. Both your show and STBYM covered the historical figure John Snow, while your show additionally covered the figure John Harrington. This is interesting. What I found to be a missed opportunity for you guys may be a little trivial. He said it was trivia. Um, yet I can't help but mention that Kit Harrington, who portrays HBO's Game of Thrones character John Snow, at least according to the actor himself, and then he gives us a link, uh, is a descendant of said John Harrington. What? Casey, can we get a, like a... Perfect. He goes on, right? He does go on. Um, he says, talk about coincidences. Perhaps you guys were aware, but opted not to mention due to its triviality. No, sir, <laughs> nope. I can tell you we were not, as you just heard our minds being blown, and they are, in fact, all over the walls right now. But just in case you guys weren't aware, I thought you might find the little tidbit amusing at least. Anyway, thanks a bunch for putting the show together. It's been a pretty cool addition to my podcast library that I listen to during my daily drive to work. Looking forward to more great episodes. Regards, too. Thanks so much, too. As Reddit likes to say, today I learned. <laughs> and we have uh, one more listener mail here. Get, we've been getting so many awesome listener mails. It's difficult to choose just one. I know, it really is. So we're going to save all the butter smuggler stuff for another episode. I agree. That's going to be a fun one. And there are some great things about language. I, I got to stop telling everybody about the emails we're going to yeah, read. Yeah, no listener mail spoilers, dude. Yeah, we'll just Five-year statute of limitations on that. We'll just <laughs> – it would be so great if somebody sent us 
an email five years before we did the show. Is time travel possible? Different episode. Here's an email from Jared P. Jared P. writes, Ahoy, fellas. I'm a new fan of the show. I've been binge listening to catch up. You guys are great. Thank you, Jared. Uh, Jared continues, I lived in Japan for three years, and my wife is Japanese. The KFC Xmas, I choose to write Xmas out of sheer laziness, he notes, phenomenon has been around a long time, over 25 years. Everything I know of it is that it caught on after a successful ad campaign. Most Japanese folks don't celebrate Christmas, and those that do enjoy it for the commercial side of it more than any religious connotations. Most Japanese people think of Xmas in American stereotypes. So doing something American on that American holiday, like eating fried chicken, suddenly isn't so crazy. They also don't consume fried chicken and burgers at the rate we do, so it's a bit of a special occasion to go to those fast food places. KFC was the first successful fast food chain in Japan, and it's still popular today. Kentucky, as it's known here, tastes like a somehow less greasy, healthier fried chicken version of the American original, if that makes any sense. They offer rolls, which is a bummer if you're a biscuit fan. It's not bad, but if you're there and wanting to explore Japan's take on American fast food, the McDonald's teriyaki burger is where it's at. Mm, I like a good teriyaki burger. <laughs> I agree. Let's, we should go. We should try it. Uh, unrelated. He concludes, I love the teaser of sorts about North Korea making a Godzilla movie. Keep up the great show and feel free to go down the Kim Jong-il rabbit hole anytime. Cheers, Jet. I'm still really going to lean on my idea of a rap name as being Kim Jong-il, but just spelled like license to ill, you know, mm-hmm. like I-L-L. I think it'll be lost on ears, though, when you say, it's me, the rapper Kim Jong-il. People will be like, boo, <laughs> maybe in poor Kim, taste. Maybe Kim Jong-too-ill. That's pretty good. Kim Jong-too-ill. I like that. <laughs> uh, speaking of burger stuff, did you hear that uh, Sonic is coming out with a, a burger that's 50% beef and 50% mushroom, and it's supposedly like this green thing that like the conservationists are praising them for really i would try it no it sounds good i love a good mushroom (laughs) i love a good burger uh so you can probably tell by the (laughs) you can probably tell folks by the uh the theme of our conversation that it's time for us to take a lunch break so we are going to head out now we'd like to thank two we'd like to thank jared where would we be without casey pegram so thanks to him And also thanks to David Dennis for writing How MLK Influenced the Direction of Star Trek for How Stuff Works, and to our composer, Alex Williams, who wrote our theme. Most importantly, thanks to you. If you want to take a page from Jed and Two's book, go ahead and write to us with your suggestions, your reactions, your feedback on this and any other episode. And please... Do yourselves and us a favor and join us for our next episode where we talk about animal spies. Caw-caw. I'm just going to leave it right there. Caw-caw. See you guys later. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? 
We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net.